Well, for me, it represents in a way the vast emptiness of our brains where you can find random thoughts about movies and films and actors and... Man, that's a very long and philosophical explanation. That's a very chai thing to say. What if our brains are just, you know, mini universes? I don't know what that means. start off by talking about something that we've been watching recently or anything interesting that happened in the last two weeks well i watched the friends reunion finally on hbo and it was interesting because i've never seen friends are you laughing at me because i never saw friends you've never seen friends not even one episode i think maybe i saw like a an episode on tv but because it was just playing but without any context or i don't i can't tell you if it's in the beginning in the middle in the end but i know friends but no i've never seen i just thought because it's older from the 90s that mm-hmm. like it would be not updated and it wouldn't be as funny so i didn't watch it <laughs> even though people seem to love it <laughs> but what about the reunion made you want to watch it it's like a documentary i love documentaries so they're like documenting the experience of doing that show also watching the reunion is way shorter than watching the actual tv show 10 seasons is a lot <laughs> the reunion is like an hour or something it goes by quickly and i don't know curiosity let's call it curiosity that's why i watched it but also it's like it's the first time they're all together in one place in decades 17 years In the in the reunion there was this blooper part so things that went wrong during the episodes man that part made me laugh so hard just the bloopers and the fact that they all seem so so friendly with each other they really seem like at some point no now but at some point of their life they were best friends that made me want to watch friends the show so i'm watching friends now i'm midway through season 1 <laughs> Uh, well, I don't have a lot to pull your leg on on this even though as much as I would like to because I only started watching Friends in December of last year. See? <laughs> Because a lot of people haven't seen Friends. I was I was home in India and it just turned up on TV. I don't think I would go through the effort of finding it on streaming or paying for HBO Max to watch it. And over there it just comes on one of the the cable channels and it was really nice to just have it running there and it's really funny. The jokes are Some of them have not aged but most of it I think is pretty timeless. It's very cheesy. I've seen like 15 episodes only. So and it's the first season, so the oldest season. Some jokes are so so cheesy, man. So cheesy. But I think it's funny. I watch it like, "Oh my god, this is what people thought it was funny." <laughs> it has very good replay value. There I already saw a couple of episodes multiple times. 
in the last six months. So. But also, for a 90s show, I thought it was very progressive in the sense of feminism. They're always pulling each other's legs and the girls are always... When the guy says something that it's not correct or proper about women, they're like calling it to attention. I didn't think a 90s show would do that. Who is your least favorite? Oh, no. I actually have a more interesting question. Go for it. Who do you identify most with? Off the Friends? Yeah. Monica. <laughs> <laughs> no, but same. I think I'm a mixture of Monica and Chandler because she's very organized mm -hmm. and mental about some things, which I am too. And she overthinks things and I do th that too. And Chandler has a very dry, dark, sarcastic humor, which is a kind of humor I enjoy. Okay. Maybe I'm not good at making jokes, like sarcastic jokes. Like, he's very jokey. I don't do that. But it's my type of humor. That's the humor I identify with. I resonate with Monica for the same reason. She's so neat and she's a bit neurotic about everything. She likes to plan things out through and through. And I think also a bit of Joey, but mostly because I don't like to share my food. I, I, I haven't seen that episode yet. Oh, you haven't gotten there? <laughs> no, but I got the... The, like I saw one episode where they tell her how neurotic she is about that and she doesn't believe it and they're like okay so there's your shoe there it's not in the place where shoes are you are not gonna be able to not move it and I would be that person I wouldn't want the shoe to be where it doesn't where it's, yeah where it's not supposed to be <laughs> also when they move the oh, I think you probably haven't gotten to that episode also but they move a chair in the living area And it really no, it's that episode. It's that episode. It's that same episode. I never tell you guys, but when you all come over, I'm glad sometimes after you have left. Come everything over to your moves, house? Yeah. When every, everything moves around, all the plates just go everywhere. And I'm constantly stressed out sometimes about that. When you invite people over, clean after they leave. And you put everything in their place after they leave. Clean as you go. I clean after. And then it's just less work. Afterwards, I want to enjoy the moment with people, but so far the show is very white. I haven't seen a single, unless you count Paolo, who's Italian. There's no diversity. <laughs> Even the people they date, they're all white so far. Yeah, that changes a couple of seasons in. I cannot recall. I don't really remember any of the characters other than the main characters. Well, a couple of the people that they date later on. There's the neighbors. The Paul downstairs Rudd. neighbor was very annoying. He shows up in the reunion. And there's this, the repeating joke about the ugly naked guy. It's their neighbor on oh, the other building. And they keep yeah. spying on him through the window. Oh, yeah. the ugly naked guy is doing this. That's, that's the recurring characters so far. <laughs> that's the most diversity the show has had. Unless you count parents. One person was ugly. Yeah, and Monica was fat. I don't know what to make of fat Monica because... I haven't seen... Fat. Oh, you haven't seen her yet? No. Right out of out of the gate. Like, first episode, they mention it. She turns up. She turns up. I'm going to ask you later then what you thought about it. But welcome to the Friends bandwagon. I mean, I'm super new also, so I don't, I, don't, I don't come with any authority. I know people who have Friends mugs and Friends... I don't know. They have so much memorabilia. <laughs> Wait, this is gonna make you laugh. I have a friend's pajama. You have a friend's pajama? I hadn't watched Friends. <laughs> But the pajama was pretty. 
Is it, does it just have pictures of the all, all the cast members? Or no, what it is just it says friends in the way that the letters usually are in French. So you're just friends with yourself. It's very comfortable pajama. And everyone has friends, so it's not like... I like it. <laughs> That's why I bought it. <laughs> okay. Well, so I guess my theory that owning things that are from friends means that you watch it a lot doesn't hold up anymore. Nope. Okay. <laughs> I had never watched it before. <laughs> That's fine. But right now I'm just putting it on like when I don't have anything to watch and it's short. So maybe having dinner or something. Have you seen anything else? Worth mentioning? Worth mentioning? <laughs> maybe not. Nothing? Watch Friends. Watch Friends. <laughs> While you're having lunch or dinner. No, no. Okay, let me add this. If you've never seen Friends, you thought about it, but you just put it off because, ah, another sitcom. It's going to be similar to How I Met Your Mother. Maybe try it out. Watch a f- few episodes. And you, Ty, what did you watch this week? So I watched this show on Netflix called Middleditch and Schwartz. So we're talking about Thomas Middleditch from Silicon Valley and Jason Schwartz, who is uh, the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, and he was in Parks and Rec. It's an improv comedy special of three episodes from this tour that they did uh, across the U.S., where they ask audience members to talk about something that's been bothering them of late. And then they just build a scenario on top of that. It's very different from any other improv shows that I've seen because usually they do a bunch of sketches with different scenarios. Here, the two of them, just based on what the audience feeds them, have one scenario and then they have to run an entire 40-minute scene on stage. The only prop they have are two chairs. It's crazy. Just seeing them build up these characters and almost write an episode of a sitcom in front of you with no support whatsoever. Everything is made up on the spot. So they have to build the characters and state them to the audience from time to time so people can follow what's going on. And then they switch them amongst each other or they introduce elements like computer screens or (laughs) recordings. And then they just have to run around the stage so much. In one of the episodes, they played around 20 characters between themselves. And you can follow what's going on. So they played... 20 characters, but they keep switching between characters that yeah. they just created on the spot. Exactly. Yeah, that's very creative. Sometimes they even forget the names, so they mix up the names or they blend characters together <laughs> as the episode goes. But it's a very cool exercise in understanding how their minds work, and I found it really cool. Man, I so want to watch it. I would highly recommend it. It's on Netflix, three episodes only, about 40 minutes each. It's a quick watch. So here you have it, our recommendations. Friends on HBO and the comedy special of... Middle Ditch and Schwartz on Netflix. Now we come to the part on the podcast where we talk about new releases. So we review some movies that have recently come out in cinemas or streaming platforms and give you our opinion. So normally these reviews will all be with spoilers, unless we specifically say spoiler-free. Just because we want to really analyze the movie, it's really hard to do it without mentioning anything about the movie. Hopefully you've seen most of these movies, and some of them you might not want to see, and we'll give you our opinion about it. 
So the first movie that we're going to talk about is Infinite, which is available on Paramount+. Plus. It's the first big release that they have had on the service, which is still not out in a lot of countries. So you might need to do some VPN shenanigans to get to watch it. Tell us a bit about Infinite, Barbara. So it's an action movie with Mark Wahlberg. And she will tell Ejifor. Those are the two main characters. And it's directed by Antoine Fukuya, who did Training Day. I think that's his biggest movie. But also Olympus Has Fallen and Equalizer. Magnificent Seven also, right? Yeah. So he's done some good, really good movies. And this is their reunion since the shooter which they also did together and they also did training day together Wahlberg is in training day right no. with Denzel Washington no can you google that very it's quickly Ethan Hawke oh man these white people <laughs> so easy to confuse them the general plot line is a troubled young man young I don't know why they say young Mark Wahlberg is not young <laughs> <laughs> A troubled young man, haunted by memories of two past lives, stumbles upon the century-old secret society of similar individuals and dares to join their ranks. This is a really bad movie description. I don't know where they got it from, but this is not the movie. I mean, keeping in mind how the actual movie is, I'm not surprised that the description is terrible. It, it deals with a group of people who reincarnate. Every time they die, they're reborn. And when they're reborn, they recover the memories of their past lives. But not immediately. As they grow older, like from when they're teenagers on, they start remembering their past lives. Yeah. So and which means that they just pick up skills over many lifetimes. So they're skills. very young and they have a bunch of crazy skill sets. Yeah, knowledge. I hope they're fine. Uh, and we follow Mark Wahlberg's character. He is a middle-aged man who's currently unemployed, has a history of uh, mental illness, and he's having trouble finding a new job. When he started exhibiting the behaviors or remembering his past life, they diagnosed that as a uh, dissociative personality disorder, and which is why he's just been having a lot of medication. And he has a history of violence and he's just not able to find any jobs. We pick up the movie at this phase, which was kind of okay. The beginning of the movie was, it was, was fun. It was entertaining. He was actually funny at the job interview and afterwards when he makes a samurai sword. That's one of his skill sets. In one of his past lives, he was a samurai blacksmith or steelsmith. <laughs> And he can't find a job, but somehow he can find all the materials needed for making a fucking katana. And then sells it to a drug dealer for his meds. And I don't understand if he's having trouble finding a job. Why doesn't he make this his job since he's so good at it without knowing how he's so good at it? Man, it, that part was just so odd for me. They do a lot of specific decisions in this movie. The plotline is fairly interesting, this whole idea of reincarnation. Mm -hmm. But the story is just And awful. evil, the... So they call it secret society, but I wouldn't say it like that. So basically, according to them, 500 people in the whole world who reincarnate. Something like that, in terms of how many people have disability. Yeah. And there's two sides of it. The good side and the bad side. The good side wants 
They're called the believers. The believers. So the believers think that they should use their reincarnation to benefit the world. And then the bad guys are just fed up of dying and being born over and over again. They don't think humanity is all that great and they're fed up of living. So their goal is to die. And the only way for them to die is to end mankind because they're immortal. They're not immortal, but they reincarnate. So the only way for them to die, fully die, is if there's no people for them to reincarnate into. So they want the world to end. They want the world to end. Which, as a motivation for a villain, is fairly understandable, to be honest. Fairly understandable. Not a bad motivation at all. You understand why he's doing what he's doing. You do. And because it's Chivitella Jufor, he kind of sells that whole notion. You do feel bad for him when he starts talking about he just how wants to die. tired he is of living these lives again and again. Also because the villain has a special power, which is that as soon as he's conceived in the womb of his latest mother, he remembers everything. Which is... Are they trying to sell how much worse his life is? I don't know. Yeah, they don't explain why he he's able to do that and nobody else also mark Wahlberg's character who's on the believer side has a special power and nobody understands why only they have special powers and why their special powers are different there's no explanation that's just mark Wahlberg can what how do you describe what you can do he can manipulate the energy around him which means nothing Nothing. <laughs> it means that whenever they want to do something cool, oh yeah, Mark Wahlberg can do that. Yeah, he just he just concentrates a lot and and puts his hand up and is able to do seemingly impossible things. <laughs> uh, and then it's just explained as his power. The overall plotline of the movie is an interesting one, but then we got, start to get into the confusing part that both sides, so the believers and the bad guy side are both trying to find Mark Wahlberg's character because he has hidden something and only he knows where it is. Yeah, he's basically the good guy and Chivadel Edgefor's character who's called Bratwurst? No, Bathurst. Bathurst. Not the sausage. (laughs) He's the bad guy. He's the leader of the bad guys. And because Mark Wahlberg is on all of these meds, He's not remembering his his previous life. And so the believers, the good guys, are missing their leader. And in his previous life, he had hidden uh, the Infinity Stones. (laughs) Because... Something they called the egg. (laughs) Is what they'll use to destroy the entire planet. And the way it works is it alters the DNA of everything that it touches. And they just turn to ash. Which is not super original, right? We've never seen that before. Right. (laughs) Like a a thing that turns everybody to ash. Yeah. Yeah. I was blown away. (laughs) (laughs) So surprised. It is explained that the technology was created by the bad guy. But it's not explained how he created it. And what it is. It's not explained. They explained it. What? They explained it. You press a button and it alters the DNA (laughs) of everything on the planet. And they turn to ash. Wait, we should also explain the other technology that the bad guy invented because that one is oh. even crazier. Also, another thing is, yeah, the the bad guy, to get rid of as many of the believers as possible, uh, he needs to stop them from reincarnating so that he can carry out his plan. And for this, he creates a special bullet, which when shot into the head or through the brain of the believer, traps their soul 
and stops them from being reincarnated because they're in a digital purgatory. Their conscience gets downloaded <laughs> into the bullets, and then he saves it. He has like a vault of all this consciousness, digital consciousness. And this process is called dethroning. I'm not making this up. It's in the movie. It starts with a crazy premise, but an interesting premise for a movie. Yeah, but it it just never earns it in any way because Mark Wahlberg is. I mean, I like Mark Wahlberg a lot, but he feels exactly like his character from the other guys. He's just kind of irritated most of the times, and he's muscular, and that's it. That's yeah. his main personality traits. And all of the supporting characters are very one note. Chiwetel Ejiofor. He's so good. He worked for the money that they paid. Oh my god, he's too good for this yeah. movie. I think he realized how everybody else was just, you know, turning up and getting their paycheck. So he acted for everyone in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> It's a very over the top performance. But I kind of I have yeah, I, I liked, liked it. I liked his performance. He was the best performance in the movie. And let me just say if the movie was super crazy, but it was like Fast and Furious, like it's insane. The storyline makes no sense. This would never happen. But then it has action scenes that are incredible and creative and original and go the extra mile, and you're like, "Wow, this is crazy, but so entertaining." This movie doesn't have that. It doesn't. It's so generic. The way it's shot, it's very polished because Paramount spent hundred twenty yeah. or hundred thirty million dollars good. on it. It looks good. It looks good, but it looks like every other action movie that you've seen. It has no defining or unique characteristic. No style. No style no at all. No substance. Because outside of those two characters, there's really nobody. I mean, I didn't care for Anything Mark Wahlberg's else. character. Or there's also another character in the supporting actress. I I couldn't tell if they were trying to build up some kind of a romantic angle with with Mark Wahlberg. It looked like it, but I also think it might have not been it. it it might have been that they're so intimate like their family they've known each other for thousands and thousands of years so maybe it's like oh we're family we're so close even though marky mark doesn't remember any of that <laughs> it just connects with that feeling that he's known them before yeah it could be that it was difficult to tell because the acting was awful <laughs> and the dialogues were exceptionally bad so cheesy and it starts with and ends with very philosophical voiceovers by Mark Wahlberg which is he's not a very philosophical character in the movie yeah, yeah. so it's just for the beginning and the end if there was no reincarnation and these guys just turned up in the movie and you said one of them is good one of them is bad because there's a prophecy and did the entire movie with just that it would not make a difference <laughs> it the only thing the reincarnation serves is for mark walberg to make katanas yeah so to explain why he does some things that's all because it could, it could have been like an action movie in which like born in which he forgot his past and now he gets it back and that would be the same thing it wouldn't change anything about the story They do such a shitty job of explaining everything. They could just say he's a katana expert, and like you don't have anything to counter it with. <laughs> it's like it's a weird thing to try and explain with this reincarnation. 
We sh- I I would also like to mention that the editing of the movies is really choppy. You notice especially in action scenes the fighting if there's multiple characters fighting in multiple places the way it jumps from one fight of the other it seems like the fights were way longer and they cut out a lot of it and you can't follow the sequence it's very very choppy and also there's this heist i wouldn't call it a heist because they're not really stealing anything but the way that they get into the bad guys get into the lair of the good guys it's very impressive they do what's it called the thing where they fly flying suits they're in flying suits i don't know what using them is called paragliding no maybe they, they just do, fly in yeah they fly in and they show them turning a corner on a mountain for three seconds and then they cut and suddenly they're already inside the house with weapons and you're like wait there's something missing here how did they get in was there no security they just walk into the door that reminds me of another scene where the good guys are flying into the lair and there is a full 20 second shot of the plane from outside taking a turn which they could have easily spent 20 seconds on on this shot which would have been cooler because that just looks like a CGI plane turning <laughs> and it just goes on for so long i didn't understand what was happening in that i kept waiting for something to happen i thought the bad guys would hit the plane no it's just a, it looked like an ad for emirates <laughs> oh my god it's a great movie if you just want to watch something that's so bad that it's kind of good ooh you could do a drinking game whenever they say something Cheesy. You will get pretty drunk by the end of this. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, look, there's you don't have to feel really bad because I'm sure Marky Mark and everybody made their paychecks and made a couple of million dollars. So I would recommend to watch it and laugh at it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the only context in which this movie is worth seeing. Let's not be so down. Let's try to find one or two things that we liked about it. Oh, okay. So two things that you liked about this movie, I and liked... then two things you hated. Okay, I'm gonna say something. Mark Wahlberg's join... abs. Oh. No, no, I'm okay. gonna join the thing I love mm-hmm. with the thing I hate because the thing I love, Dylan O'Brien is great in this movie. Oh, really? He is dog. Mark Wahlberg's previous life, and he, you only see him through flashbacks. And there, since Mark Wahlberg doesn't have all his memories, you see only snippets of the flashback each time. But basically, he's the one that hides the eggs. So you see his final fight before he died and reincarnated into Mark Wahlberg. And that fight scene is great. Dylan is great. I loved it. Bad part is... It's like three minutes of the whole movie. They wasted Dylan O'Brien! And Rupert, what's his name? Rupert Everett? Rupert Everett, yeah. Man, they were both so good. You couldn't even tell that Rupert Everett was the bad guy in his previous life because it's not mentioned at all. I found out when I went to EMDB afterwards. I'm like, he's just a bad guy, not the bad guy. There is no reference to the fact that he is Bathurst. Yeah. That's true. That's true. It just seemed like he was fighting some random ass dude. 
they could have based the entire movie on the two of those guys and i think it would have been better mm-hmm. yeah more entertaining and you never get to see the full scene together you just see snippets of it throughout okay. the movie so this is your thing that you like but also don't like hate it they wasted both of them <laughs> okay did you like anything else in this movie <laughs> no no i like the initial scene of the job interview okay that i thought it was funny as Which hell felt like it was from another movie yeah yeah not nothing to do with this movie like a comedy with mark wahlberg that's where that belonged but that part was actually well written that part it might have been the only part of the movie that was well written <laughs> i wish they had leaned more into that the influence that being supposedly throughout his life a person with mental illness how it affected it but basically he's not even someone with mental illness he's just someone with memories but he doesn't know how to process the fact that there are memories yeah so uh, you can also say that they're like oh mental illness is not real it's just memories oh you could read it in that way or they just you know used it to build sympathy for this character and then they dropped it five minutes in yeah then it's just mark wahlberg action star yeah i like the villain a lot i actually enjoyed his character and his performance so much and he has an accent that i cannot tell where it's from it looked like he was trying to play a guy who's lived so many different lives so he sounds like somebody you've never heard which was cool mm-hmm. the second thing that i liked was there's a torture scene in this movie where they find uh, one of the gatekeepers of this the believers and they want to get some information about uh, out of him about where these uh, where Mark Wahlberg and everyone else has gone at some point and they I, i'm not joking they torture him by pouring honey into his true. mouth yeah. down his throat first time seeing honey <laughs> honey waterboarding <laughs> and honey boarding the thing is I he's fine nothing happens to him he's just at some point there's too much honey and it starts flowing out of his mouth I think he just <laughs> swallowed it and he was fine like I, they were trying to kill oh, him with what are they trying to kill him with diabetes or what <laughs> I remember something I liked so there's this character in the movie uh from the believer side who's a person with disability mm-hmm. so since she's from the believer side she's someone who reincarnated in a person with disability body mm-hmm. and there's this conversation between her and the bad guy in which she explains that to him because he doesn't understand why she chose to live a full life in that body mm-hmm. and not just kill herself and reincarnate in someone else and she tries to explain to him that she doesn't see it that way she can see how different and beautiful life can be in that type of body with that type of experience that part i liked she got to see the world with different eyes because she was seeing it through another person's perspective a perspective she hadn't had before it's it's just this this movie has a lot of ideas it's like somebody just smoked up and just wrote everything they could think of and tried to build a story around it and the only way they could fit it all together was like reincarnation and yeah it's like they had a lot of ideas but didn't want to 
drop take, anything. Yeah. So how do we make this all fit? The two things that I didn't like, particularly infuriating, were the dialogues. They were terrible. They were absolutely terrible, and the fact that. The the level of technology in this movie doesn't add up. Some of the things that the bad guys use are very everyday. They have normal phones and just normal things. And then all of a sudden they have these bullets which capture souls, and they have this egg that just yeah, snaps the world. Yeah, it was really bizarre. It's like today's world, but with two piece of technology that drive the story. that don't exist right now. And I get it you're probably thinking this is the movie about reincarnation. What level of, you know, um realism are you expecting out of it? But within the the universe that's set up and within the scope of the story that's set up, there still needs to be some consistency with the things that are happening. And when they don't, it's particularly annoying at least for me. Yeah, it takes you out of the movie. All right, so now to wrap things up, we have to rate this movie using our innovative and totally made up scale. What are we doing? We can do a Marky Mark scale. So put it between his best and worst movies? Yeah, that's a okay. good thing. We first have to define what those are. Best movies are easy, right? Like the the fighter? The other guys? Yeah. The departed. Like the departed, he's he's very I like how you just let me slip in the other guys in there amongst the top three movies. I I don't like Will Ferrell. I just don't like that guy. So no, I actually don't like Will Ferrell. You don't like Will Ferrell in human anything being. I've seen. I don't know what is he's like as a human being. I just don't like him in anything I've seen. And okay. I've seen Anchorman. I don't get the hype. Okay. Best movies are Departed, Departed, or The Fighter. Mm-hmm. What is his worst movie? I think it's this movie. The thing is, I haven't seen a lot of his movies. Oh, the happening, the M Night Shyamalan one where the plants are killer plants that turn against humans and they wait. make people want to kill themselves. Wait, that's the one where they they are they alien plants and they, they no, no, kill no. them with water? No, it's, no, 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 no. That's that's the alien one. That's not the plants one. That's the science. <laughs> that's science. You're confused. This one. How many bad movies is it? No, this one is it's like a climate response. Like humans are killing the planet and plants turn against humans and release like this <laughs> what? This pheromone, I don't know, that makes humans how? want to kill themselves in very weird ways. How, I, how have I never heard about this movie till today? I don't understand, man. There's memes and everything about this. It's so Bad. I didn't and know Mark, this existed. And Mark Wahlberg, I mean, nobody's good in the movie. Nobody, nobody's good. <laughs> But Mark Wahlberg, as a science teacher, is not good at all. You don't believe him as a nerd. He doesn't. He's not nerdy. Oh no! I think I'm still in a bit of shock uh, because I didn't know this existed. Many so now I'm not it. sure if I would put Infinity substituted. But okay, where would you put Infinite between the fighter and the the happening? Man, this is hard. I think. Wait, wait, hard? How is it hard? No, I I will explain what's oh, hard okay. about this. I think Infinite is worse than the happening. 
You think infinite is worse so than happening? So it's out of the scale. No, because I That's think good. the happening might be more entertaining in a bad way. Like, a bad movie is entertaining. I would rather rewatch the happening and laugh at it than rewatch this movie. So we found basically our new lower end of the scale for all Marky Mark movies. Which from is that from the ones I've seen. <laughs> from, I have not seen The Happening, but from what you described, I feel like <laughs> Infinite is going to be better than that. So I'm going to place it, it also, right above Happening. It also has a crazy plot line where a lot of things are not explained. But the worst thing of The Happening is the script and the acting. So there's, also, our, there's, there's a lot of shots of just wind going through plants. And it's like, when the plants move, oh my god, they're active. They're gonna kill us. <laughs> what the fuck? Dude? So this many so shots bad. of just wind, wind and plants. Well, so there you go. That's our review. <laughs> Infinite. Of Infinite in Paramount+. Plus. If you have VPN. <laughs> yeah. Final result, it's one of Mark Wahlberg's two worst movies, maybe. But they're both bad enough for you to go and watch with friends and make a drinking game. So... There's that. <laughs> okay, so moving on to our second review of the episode, we have The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, which is the third movie in The Conjuring series. This movie stars Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson as Ed and Lorraine Warren, the paranormal investigators. And the storyline, uh, according to the makers, is... Paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren take on one of their most sensational cases after a cop stumbles upon a dazed and bloodied young man walking down the road. Accused of murder, the suspect claims demonic possession as his defense in the court of law, forcing the Warrens into a supernatural inquiry unlike anything they have ever seen. So, was the movie unlike anything you've ever seen? No, it was the third best Conjuring movie out of three three Conjuring movies. I mean, no. the Conjuring universe is huge, so there's more. No, I, I'm just talking about the Conjuring the main movie. continuity. Right? Yeah, uh, it's the first one that's not directed by James Wan. It's directed by Michael Chavez, who directed The Curse of La Llorona. 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 I oh, think it's Spanish. Yeah, <laughs> and so it's the first Conjuring movie not directed by James Wan. It, my expectations were high in terms of the Conjuring movies have all been good. But this one wasn't that good. <laughs> this one follows a more famous case in American media. It's a true story that the alleged defense was demonic possession. Mm -hmm. And I was really excited for them to do like a new take on Conjuring because the first two movies were haunted house movies and this one was the first getting out of that mold i was excited to have like a 80s court movie drama man i just wanted to see them argue in court why it was demonic possession that's what i wanted to see and i didn't see that we almost don't see anything in the court we see him pleading not guilty for a reason of demonic possession and we see him i think they shorten his sentence in the movie but yeah he goes to jail they 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 convict him of the murder but 
that's it. That, those are two scenes in the movie, right? They're in total about one and a half minutes of actual court time. And the rest of the time, they're just trying to go back to that whole, that whole horror situation again. And yeah, I think they've reached diminishing returns with this one because there is a pattern to the stories. There's a pattern to the movies, which worked in the first one because it was the first one. Worked in the second one because you were trying to see if they could repeat with the same success you know, the elements of this uh, of the first movie and in this one it's you know what to expect no but it's more than that it seems like a big draw of the conjuring is ed and lorraine warren which are real people who had real cases real, yeah. real air quotes and it seems like their marketing tool is oh but this time we're doing a court case They've made it to court and it's about the... There, is, you, there is legitimacy in their cases, yeah. right? Yeah. And then they don't do that. So basically, most of the movies, them running around different places trying to find out what's happening to the guy that's in prison. It's still misleading the movie a bit because despite being based on this case, it was the first time ever in, in the United States history that someone claimed demonic possession for a crime they committed. They fictionalized the story to obviously make it more movie-worthy. And the reason for this was because the actual case was done or dismissed in two or three days. The law, the court just said, we can't accept your defense. And they sentenced him and it was the end of the case. So that's why they probably didn't do like a huge courtroom drama. But what they substituted it with was, again, more of the same. They did focus on this movie more on... I don't know, Lorraine's relationship, uh, how they come together, how they support each other, their strengths, their weaknesses. Their relationship is really tested in this movie. And that part is interesting, but it's more drama than horror. It's family drama. Yeah, the starting of the movie was the only part where I was genuinely scared or surprised because the, the when they show the exorcism of the of the boy that starts off this whole series of of things um that was really good so that set up my expectations really high but yeah i agree after that it just turns into ed and lauren's story and all credit to patrick wilson and vera farmiga i think they do a great job and there's something really sweet about the fact that these two characters are cooks right i mean None of this is real, for sure. How, most of their stories are just fabrications. The actual Ed and Lorraine Warren. You're like breaking people's hearts. It's like telling people Santa doesn't exist. Nobody believes that this stuff is. Real. Some people believe this stuff is this. If you believe in God, you believe in heaven. If you believe in heaven, you believe in hell, usually. And that comes with demons. So it's not a big leap, leap. of faith. Okay, fine. Well, for me, it's... The the thing, the positive that we can draw, that I draw out of it is that they're weird. They believe in stuff that's probably not true, but they found each other. And that's nice to have someone who supports you and believes in the <laughs> same weird things that you support. And there's something sweet about that. No, and movie, I'm happy about that. But that part <laughs> everything of the else movie, is just bullshit. That part of the movie is very sweet. And I think they they like... They try to, since you're very invested in their relationship, they try to use the horror element to make you fear for their lives. But that doesn't work as well when they are the main characters of a franchise. So you know that they're not going to die. 
which basically takes away part of the fear. Yeah, also in real life they they just died of old age, so I don't think they were going to go and Yeah, do I was that also. I was more invested in Arnie character, which is Arnie is the boyfriend of the sister of the little boy. And so after the kid gets possessed, they do the exorcism. And to save the kid, because the exorcism isn't working, Arnie offers himself to take the place of the kid. He was like super brave. And he really just wanted to protect someone who's not even direct family. And I was very invested in if he was going to be okay throughout the movie, since he's the one who's being targeted. That part I was very invested. I just think the movie was way scarier in the beginning than afterwards. Yeah, because once they tried to find out the source of the evil, it just became less scary just because of the nature of that possession, right? Because what ends up happening is there are some occultists or satanists who are cursing these people and they're forcing demons after them. So these demons are not really after these people for any particular reason. They just can't go back to hell i i don't know the specifics of this this book very well <laughs> they but also they can't, don't they explain can't, it they can't escape if they don't complete their mission which is to possess and kill somebody and then force the host to end their life which is also something i didn't quite get because okay somebody cursing the kid and the family makes sense if they had a grudge against them but over the course of the movie the satanists also start cursing other people one of them being Ed and Lorraine, they need to have three such deaths to occur in order to draw the power of the demon or something of that kind. I didn't get it because Ed and Lorraine only come into the picture much later, right? After the kid is possessed. So was this their plan from the beginning? Or no. they just happened, they needed a, a host for the, the second or third demon. And now that they know Ed and Lorraine are in the picture, she sent it after them. I mean, they were trying to find her. So it makes sense, like, target your enemy. That part didn't confuse me. The, like, the whole three things that they need to have to complete the curse, that part confused me. They even named, like, what the three things are. I'm like, who's what? Which character is what thing? Oh, the child, the lover, mm -hmm. and the priest? And men of God or something like yeah. that, yeah. But then I'm like, there is no child because he was no longer possessed. Is Arnie a replacement for the child? Because the lover, I'm assuming, is the girl because she was with her girlfriend. And the man of God is Ed because he believes in God. But there is no child. Can they just replace the person in the curse? Is that how it works? It's very confusing. I think when Arnie invited the, the demon in, probably that's what happened. Or at least that's what it seems like happened because in the movie. Yeah, but after that point, it just stopped being scary anymore because now your big bad is not this demonic spirit. It's a human long. person. <laughs> yeah, it's a human person who draws their power in the night because Satanists are more powerful at night. This is a dialogue in the movie. I, was, I had lots of trouble sitting through that without laughing. I like the fact that if she, once you start a curse, you have to complete it. Or the devil takes your soul. I like that part. Like you committed. She yeah. had to finish the curse. Or else, 
Otherwise, she was gonna get yeah. killed, right? The Satanist. That part was interesting. For me, it was more the scares that weren't there. In the beginning, the waterbed scene, that was beautiful. But then, just a lot of things happening at the same time. Yeah, but how convenient. None of that having to do with the horror. How convenient it is that the first person they speak to about the Satanists. Through him, it's where we know the Satanist exists or the connection comes from there. So when they first met him and he was being all creepy and and I already suspected that it was related to him somehow. And at the end, when we find out that it's essentially his daughter who is the Satanist, I was like, okay. They made it too obvious the first time they met him that something was off. Also, I think there was a more interesting angle to go with this movie. Once you find out who the occultist is, that she's the daughter of the priest, you also find out that he was so obsessed with studying this group of occultists that his obsession passed on to his daughter, who became an occultist because of that. A good parallel here, much better, I think, besides the relationship between Ed and Lorraine, would be the way that they're raising their kid, their daughter. Mm-hmm. They work with this demonic possession things. They have a whole museum of haunted objects in their house. Like, how is this affecting their daughter and the way that they're raising? I would much rather see that parallel, that effect, than the one we got. It might have worked, to be honest. Like, if this, if they just gave us the first bit with the the exorcism of the kid, mm-hmm. and then okay, the demon passes over to Arnie. He kills this person. And then it's just a courtroom drama from then on. And understanding how all of this is now affecting their family. Because finally it's in the realm of something normal, right? And it would have been pretty brave for them to take it in that angle. But they didn't. They marketed it as that. But it wasn't there enough in the movie. Okay, what's your favorite part of the movie? I liked Ed and Lorraine's relationship. It was very sweet. It reminded me of my wife. So, Aww. there you go. That, that I liked. Shout out to Madura. Yeah, she's awesome. What's your least favorite part of the movie? My least favorite part of the movie? There is a point in the movie towards the end where, because Ed is having these heart issues, uh, there is a blood thinner tablet that he needs to have with him. That he needs to take, especially when he starts to feel the heart Exactly. So the moment they introduce his heart problem and the moment they introduce the medicine, you know there's going to be a point in the movie where he's going to have the heart problem and not have the medicine, which did happen. More than (laughs) once. It happened twice. He forgets his medicine twice. It's like for death medicine. Come on. But the second time, which is towards the ending of the movie... He thinks he's going to die. And then Lorraine pulls out this locket, which has their pictures in them. And she opens it. And there's one tablet inside there. <laughs> it was very... I didn't, know how, I didn't know how to interpret that. It was kind of sweet. It was very cheesy. Very cheesy. But uh, the movie ends kind of at that. And I was laughing in the theater. Because it just was... <laughs> the way it's done, It was. it was too cliche. It was too cheesy. They set it up in a way you knew that that's what would happen, but it didn't make you feel good about it. It was just like, oh God, seriously? (laughs) So I didn't like that. What about you? What did you like? What did you not like? 
Uh, all the horror scenes with the little kid in the beginning, I think they were very well done. I think the exorcist scene was very tense. You didn't know what was gonna happen. I, it was the least predictable part of the movie, which I liked, because <laughs> I feel the rest of the movie turned out very predictive. I didn't like the whole ending, the shining parallel with Ed running around crazy because the occultist is driving him mad with a. With an axe running around trying to axe Lorraine and then ending up axing the exact thing he had to axe to stop the curse, the place where the curse was made. I just think it's very... On the nose? Yeah, exactly. Very on the nose that the exact thing he needs to destroy this table where the ritual is being done is the exact thing uh, that the occultist is making... Ed Hughes. Man, I think the movie was more exciting for me just because I was I went to the cinema to watch it alone, which gave it like an extra fear level. And still the others were more scary than this one. I was more scared because the theater was kind of full and the COVID cases have been increasing around here. So I was more bothered about that than anything <laughs> in the movie. Okay. Okay. Now it's time for our most awaited creative movie <laughs> ranking. Let's rate this movie. Yeah. I think this one, let's keep it simple because the Conjuring universe is pretty big. There's what, six, seven movies already there. Let's do this. Rank the movies in your order and of how good they were. Okay. And then I'll do mine also. But keeping in mind, I've seen just fewer ones. So it's going to be a limited list. I will start with the best ones. So I'm going to do Conjuring 1, Conjuring 2, Annabelle 2, Conjuring 3, Annabelle 3, The Nun, Annabelle 1, and that's it because I haven't seen The Curse of Liar. So that's good. You've seen six out of the seven movies. I've seen far fewer, but I think mine is pretty similar at the beginning so conjuring one is top place conjuring two is in the second place i've seen annabelle two and it is scarier i think i would put annabelle two over conjuring two so i have conjuring one annabelle two conjuring part two then i would put conjuring part three and then the nun which is absolutely not scary but these are the only five i've seen so that's my ranking no, so, but I, I agree. This is just about the nun. The nun and the the first animal and the third animal, they're least scarier than this one. This one is slightly better than those. But it's not at the level of Conjuring 1, Conjuring 2, and Annabelle 2, which are the best ones. That we agreed, right? That we agreed. Okay. So there we go. Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It. Okay, it's game time. Are you ready? We're ready for V2. Okay. Now it's your turn to try and beat my record of guessing the movie in 10 questions. But you also cheated. I didn't cheat. One of the questions was not a yes or no question. Okay, so you, have, you get to only ask yes or no questions. 
And then when you don't get the answer, it proves that I am the absolute winner, right? No, because we're not playing using the same criteria. That's not my fault. <laughs> wow. I will, I will allow you one question that's not a yes or no. No, but I, I will still try. My I will still try. Non yes or no question from last week. Okay, try your best to go with just yes or no's. Also, just to tell people, we're playing tech question games. Uh, you have ten questions to guess the movie. Yes, I'm gonna think of a movie, and Barbara has ten questions. Ten <laughs> questions, ten yes or no questions, to then try and guess it. Let me think of a movie then, and it has been thought of. <laughs> How do we start this? Does the movie have a male lead? No. Damn. Is it an ensemble movie? Yes. Um, has it won awards? Yes. You didn't seem too sure of that, Jai. I don't know what awards it's won, but I'm sure it's won something. No, there's, I mean dude, like main like awards. Hundreds of no, no. It has to be a Guilds or an Emmys or an Oscar. Can I Google? Sure, but you, you should know this. Okay, don't look into my glasses. <laughs> I don't think I can tell from that. My glasses are very reflective. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to find out if it's like an Oscar contender. I mean, contender. It's, it's won awards. I don't mean like festivals because there's a lot of festivals well in that it's been nominated a lot let's just say that 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 doesn't it has been nominated for the major awards for the major awards yeah yeah. for the ones i mentioned yeah i I still don't seem sure it has won a lot of those very local film festival related awards oh that doesn't help but the imdb page is massive so i don't know how much i have to scroll before i find is it a drama you're four questions in. Oh my god. Is it a comedy? Yeah. You also didn't seem sure of that. I'm using intonation to give you hints. So it's sort of a comedy? Yes. <laughs> Is that your sixth question? No. <laughs> Five I'm questions I'm trying in. to understand your hints. It's sort of an ensemble comedy. Oh my god. This is hard. It's so broad. Is it from the last five years? Yes. Wait, I don't want to waste a question. <laughs> you don't want to waste a question? You have four more questions. No, but I was going to ask, is it this movie? And then I would waste a question because you're going to say no, no. That is, if you ask if it is a movie, that basically ends your turn. And if it is the movie, you have won. But if it's not the movie, then you've lost. Damn it. Is it a whodunit movie? Yeah. Is it Knives Out? Yeah. Ah, I did it in less questions than you. <laughs> I was being nice to you. I thought of a movie that we'd spoken of recently to make sure that there was some chance of you answering. I just want to say I Equal. won. Yeah. How many good. questions was that? Eight questions. Damn, I beat your record. That's fine. Next week, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do even better. Okay, so now that uh, Barbara's won Woohoo! the game, because I was very kind to her and chose a movie that we were discussing you're a bad 20 loser. minutes ago. Not a bad loser. Man, you're making excuses for the fact that I just 
playing out one. I was trying to help you to win. <laughs> because you're a bad loser. I'm not a bad loser. I'm an okay loser. I don't, I, I don't are like... You, are you okay with losing? As long as someone didn't cheat. That's usually you, man. Nope. Yeah. Nope. I don't cheat. I have too Every much integrity. Every time we get together... <laughs> too much integrity. Not at Monopoly or any card games. But, no, no, no. How do you cheat in, How Monopoly? Do you cheat in Monopoly? You cheat in Monopoly by... <laughs> I'm even... I'm, I'm unless sure. you're the bank. There is a way. There is a way Which I'm do. usually not the bank. I'm usually the bank. Exactly. Because I'm good at math. No, because you want to control and cheat. I don't want to cheat. Wait, wait, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I don't cheat at anything. We're both accusing each other of cheating, but we should come up with uh, a valid example. You first. Me first. I'm trying to think. I can't recall because there's so many. That's a lie. Just think of one if there's Examples. so many. Remember that time when we played that game that JJ brought, which was Batman Love Letter or something? No. You don't remember? I mean, I don't remember what the game You was. all just ganged up on me because I was in the lead. But that's not cheating. That is cheating. We didn't break the game rules. You did. No. Because the objective of the game is to play for yourself to win. But you all were playing no. to make sure that the I ob- lost. No, 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 no. The objective of the game fair. is to win. Yeah. Since you were first, making sure you didn't win was making sure we might win. No, but you were in a play in a position where you could not have won the game. So basically you were just like, okay... It's either I'm in the lead and I'm going to win or JJ or Shar, one of the others could win. And then you all ganged up against me. I still that's don't cheating. think that's cheating. That, th- if that's you follow cheating. the game rules, it's not cheating. But if you follow the game rules to help each other, that is cheating. Man, then the, the game doesn't have enough rules. It needs more rules to make sure that doesn't happen. It's the game's fault. It's not my fault. Fine. I'm working within the laws yes. of the game. But this is why you won the game in eight questions so easily. Because? Because I remembered <laughs> this injustice and I was like, I'm not going to do this. You do remember make... this injustice at all. <laughs> I'm going to make you the game easy You think of me. an example. Forever. I'm going to get it in seven questions in the next round. So that's going to solve this for once and for all. Join us in the next episode where we will discuss um, two movies, Black Bear with Audrey Plaza and uh, another round with Matt Michelson, who won the Oscar for Best Foreign Movie and was also nominated for Best Director. And we'll finally be able to talk about Loki because by then this season will have completed. But spoiler alert, it's awesome. <laughs> Thank you for listening to us. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. The Movie Boy.